Kevin, hi! Hello, everybody. I hello, hello, welcome. Welcome to Rum Doings episode... 146. That's <laughs> how we should talk all the time. Where the topic this week is, when will people start taking our very severe storm seriously? That, that topic has offended me. Some people died while it was windy. I know. The first time people have died in Britain since 1987. Yes, they have. And I'm not really sure what to say about that because you've now offended me so much I don't think I can continue with this episode, to be honest. Oh, well, okay, well, that's it then. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to write to us at podcast at rumdoings.com and tweet us at at rumdoings, and we'll see you next time. We will, that was great. Oh, maybe I'll continue just for one little thing, and that's to discuss Russell Brand because somebody did ask that we discuss him. I haven't followed this story, so you must tell me what naughty, naughty Russell Brand did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong per se, but he wrote a very long, and it frankly could have done with editing, and that's without discussing its politics, very long um, editorial in the New Statesman, which he was given to play with for an, for an edition. And in it, he effectively said uh, he's never voted because they're all <laughs> rubbish, uh, and he never will vote, and we need to have a revolution instead. Right. Which is fine, yeah. um, but he didn't suggest how the revolution might work and how we might avoid things that happen, say, in Egypt or Soviet Union or various other places where revolutions haven't gone too well. Uh, and the problem with the thesis was, yes, we all agree that politicians are unpleasant, terrible, corrupt bunches of postulant uh, rubbish but on the other hand if you don't wish to participate in even attempting to ameliorate the present system then your alternative is that you do overthrow it and overthrowing it is something that you plan and do it's not yes. something that you um, discuss uh, in, an, in an editorial and then say you're not really sure how it'll work but anyway it'll be fine Yes, indeed. I think anyone who says they don't vote because of that and has yet to overthrow the government needs to hurry up and get on with it. Yeah, precisely. So that uh, and somebody uh, in, in the uh, spectator, somebody called him. He said he was basically being the uh, the, the Jeremy Clarkson of the left, which is right. which is which is fair enough because in other words, he comes up with these witty, slightly outrageous things. But actually, you know that if he ever were put in charge of anything, it would be pretty disastrous. As with yes. Jeremy Clarkson, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I certainly am not offended by anything he said, but it was very kind of, they're so awful, why don't we just have another revolution, eh? And and as somebody pointed out, I, I, I hate to use the phrase, but be the uh, be the change you wish to happen. He's got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He, he spends most of his time in Los Angeles. Those, If he wants wealth massively to be redistributed, he can begin right now. Yeah, as 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 Jesus said, he's. And I don't. I don't even mean that. You know, he can, he can become a pauper, give away all his money, distribute it evenly, and begin as he says. Because if every rich person did that, then there wouldn't be a need for revolution. It would just happen. But he's not, and therefore one needs to question where this comes from. And he sort of admitted that he he finds riots and those sorts of things. What's all this clanking? There's no clanking. There is. You're, you're, you're I'm looking at the the, the, the waveform. There's not a clank, not a peak. Oh, you're so evil. 
So that I'm on a different mic, so you can re- basically what it's doing is it's recording the whole room, so you'll be able to hear the paint on the walls, and you'll be able to hear the curtain colour, and you'll be able to hear the cat faffing around in the background. Actually, let me. Say, I, oh, I can I can hear the stupidity of Dexter. Yes, there you go. Hmm. Can oh, you well. hear the the annoyingness of Lucy? Ah, oh, isn't Lucy the better cat? Oh, she's so annoying. She's now in the bag. In the in the bag. She's in a bag. Yeah, she's in a bag. I'm not wrong, but she's in the room making annoying noises for everyone to listen to. So that's good. And does she get on with um, the stupid cat now? How day? Does she though? Does getting on with mean being constantly in a uh, cloud of sparks and dust flying out, rolling round like a cartoon, yes. destroying everything in the house? Yes. Okay. Then yes, they get on very well. Talking of cartoons, I was actually reading the history of Garfield yesterday. Do you know anything about it? Uh, Bits and pieces, yes. I was interested to see how cynical it was. The guy said, I want to create a character that I can market and that I can affiliate and that I can uh, merchandise. And he scientifically, as an admin, created the characters that were useful for doing this. That's interesting. And he specifically said... I've seen how successful the Peanuts are, and the most successfully branded item in the Peanuts is Snoopy, not Charlie Brown. And I will emulate the later banal uh, Peanuts uh, era. But does he really say that? Does he really say he makes it banal on purpose? Well, well, the, uh, the sweet or whatever. Yeah, no, but he did. He said he doesn't want to cause much controversy. Um, it's, it's a very safe and um, put in very specific parameters. And he makes a huge amount of money from merchandising, so he succeeded. He was an ad man. So he used his advertising knowledge to create this character, which he knew was going to work. And as somebody said, nobody can ever accuse him of selling out because he never sold in. Yeah, fair enough. It's funny, though, because he also tried to create another series called Orwell, Orson's Farm, or something. Yeah, Orson's Farm, Mm. I think it was. And that never really took off at all. Mm. I mean... Uh, it was interesting. He said these days he spends maybe half a day sketching stuff, which is is staff, then write the cartoon. I th- I, th- I thought he hadn't drawn it for years. I thought it was drawn. Well, you know, he doesn't draw it, but um, but but almost every day he's thinking of new merchandising <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> comparing the two, but I didn't think it was still a thing. Like, you don't see Garfield stuck to back windows of cars anymore, and I certainly no. No, th- no, I didn't no. know it was still running. Really, I know I was on wet online. I don't have any newspapers that carry it. Um, I was reading an article from 2010 or something. So and it's, it's, yeah, uh, I assume it's still going. Mm, mm. Indeed. Um, why did you Why did you go on holiday to Wales? I think we need to, just before you move on, I think it's one thing that's interesting about Jim Davis is that he is very un-copyrighty litigiousy. All right. So when Garfield Without Garfield launched, yes. he didn't try to shut it down. In fact, he supported it and endorsed it, and now I think it's official. Now I think it's kind of an official part of his Indeed, great empire. And, and a book has been launched, and yeah. he gets part of that book. In a sense, I think he's quite clever in that yeah, way, and that because yeah. he's so unprecious. Like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Garfield's having some new. The franchise is having some new life blown into it. Let's see how we can make some money from exactly. This but isn't good God? Would don't you wish that's how everyone reacted to so-called copyright infringement? But yes, and that's why I I can't get too precious about the fact that he is so mercenary about it and that he treats it as his craft. And that's yeah, that it. Was fine. But then I was exactly the same to a slightly. I think we can say slightly smaller scale but I was exactly the same about Brian when I was doing Brian oh yeah it never had any it never had any artistic merit it was purely an attempt to see if I could make some money from drawing a rabbit and it turned out that I couldn't you could almost 
I couldn't. Well, I made uh, £30, I think, in card sales in the end. You announced that that was going to be a big thing, I think. Well, no, I never announced a big thing, but a couple of guys who were trying to launch their own card company, uh, they ran, they had their run and they ran a bunch of Brian cards. I don't know. They never seemed to... I don't know whether they did a bad job or whether they were unlucky, but no. uh, it never got going. Um, no, it's a pity. Apparently there was one shop in Bristol that was selling them and, and then you could get them from some website, but it never really happened. You should do some more. I really can't be bothered. More cartoons. You can't be bothered to do much these days. You're a fat no, just, old man who just work four billion hours a week on my website. That's all. Don't you watch? Don't you watch telly anymore? Even you don't even have the. You, we used to have every two or three months. We'd have the summary of all the new programs for America. We could do that because I watched a lot of the pilots. I had a, 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 a couple, over a couple of days a while back. Um, okay, well we haven't done that for over a year now, so I think we probably should. Okay, we can talk. Do you want about- to do that now, or do you want to tell us why? Aren't- earth you went to wales for a holiday i'm i went to wales because i'm half welsh and it's where my people are from well you should have gone to half wales i should have shouldn't i yes well i guess i went to chepstone that definitely is half wales yes that's barely wales no but seriously what what led to it because you'd been on a holiday on a cruise quite recently anyway so what you said actually you've been on a cruise but one better let's go to wales quite that was in june it's now october think of the starving africans they're on holiday all the time. It's true, they're they live in Africa. in a sunny workplace. In Africa? Yeah, they live in gorgeous, beautiful, sunny Africa. Safari. Why don't they just stop complaining about all their hungriness and just appreciate what they've got? Exactly. Anyway, so no, in, yes, I went on my, we went on a rather exceptionally expensive and lovely holiday in June, mm-hmm. and so... Uh, well, it wasn't exceptionally we, expensive, it was unbelievably cheap, but yeah. It was, it, for what it was, it was unbelievably yeah. cheap. For a holiday that I've been on, it was certainly yeah. the most expensive. Um, so yeah, we just, we found a cottage in Wales that looked nice, and I wanted to go and see a bunch of castles. And they Why? have, the, they have quite a lot of those in South Wales. Yes, but was it just a romantic idea, or do you actually get off on the broken rocks? I get off on the broken rocks. Well, you see, I don't. I get sad because I want to see the full castle with all its gaudy paint on. I'm seeing a few rocks and a broken turret, just meh. Gosh, that's funny. I'm exactly the other way around. We went to Castle Koch on the first day, and that is a full castle. It a, it's a Victorian restoration of a 13th century site made wow. by an eccentric, the, the richest man in the world, in fact. Okay. Um, the third Marquess of Boot, who yeah. lived in Cardiff Castle. And he wanted a holiday home. So he, there, was a, there was a 13th century castle that had completely gone... And so him and an eccentric architect friend. He uh, had an eccentric architect friend, I think. Sorry? Not him, he. He? Oh, yeah. that's what I said, didn't I? No, you said him. Uh, Did I? I, I, think, I think you were beginning... This, I think he and his friend were about oh. to be doing something, weren't they? They weren't How gauche. Something. You could have said him and his eccentric architect friend were hit by a rocket. I but could no, have. He was, because it's the... Uh, it's the passive. No, there's no way out of this, John. No, I'm just, I'm just, I just have to commit suicide. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he has okay. committed suicide. Anyway, so yeah, they built this castle, and they they were incre- he was they resurrected. Did, they did their very hooray! They did their very best to recreate it as accurately as possible on the outside, and then one of the sides said, "But the inside is pure Victorian fantasy." Was it? And it's lovely. Oh yeah, inside is amazing. There's especially the, the his wife's chamber is this unbelievably gaudy and extraordinary room with this double domed ceiling of. Intricate, beautiful artwork, and it's absolutely amazing. And every piece of furniture is is precisely perfect and elaborately beautiful. Be careful, Laurel wants her own neo rococo chamber. She already she already wants her own castle. She's demanding that I build a castle now. The lady's castle and the man's castle. But the the best thing about old Booty, old Marcus of Boot, 
yeah. was that he um, he he was very excited to have this holiday home, somewhere to stay when he wanted to leave the great city of Cardiff and go, you know, far abroad to 20 well, minutes down the road. Well, everybody wants to leave Cardiff, yeah. It's true. Except, except Doctor Who. And, um, they, uh, and then he never really lived there. He got bored of it once it was built. <laughs> well, you know, once you've, uh, once you've got something, it's, eh, can't be bothered with it anymore. Yeah. The fun was in the building. Exactly. Well, for him, it really does seem to have been. And his whole family, going back generations, were constantly restoring castles. They were big castle restoring. A good bunch of people, that lot. Hmm. There it had stupid well, amounts of money and thought it was fun to just do elaborate projects with it. Well, that's very good. I mean, it's better than what some of the rich people do today in that they just kind of keep the money in, yes. in stocks. There's not enough elaborateness going on at the moment, I think. There, are, there is a woeful lack of castles being built. There are. Okay. So, uh, you did you enjoy the holiday, or was it a bit rubbish? No, it was really nice, actually. It was, it was very good. And even though it was rainy all week, we somehow managed to keep missing the rain, so that was good. How were the Welsh? Do you know, the Welsh were great. The Welsh infrastructure made me cross, as usual. Mm. It's the signs, Nick. The signs make me so cross. Yeah, but the Welsh nationalists wanted to shoot you through the head for daring to even make a slight joke about that. So I made a dumb joke on Twitter one night. I wrote that uh, they could save a lot of money if they didn't put all these really difficult anagrams on all the road signs. Mm. And I just thought it was a dumb comment. Obviously, the the target of the joke is me. I'm the Mm. stupid one for not getting it, blah, blah, blah. I get this this very strange person started uh, retweeting it to a whole bunch of different people in Wales, like Welsh MPs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought at first it was just like overexcited at the joke. And then I realised, oh no, he's trying to cause trouble. Mm-hmm. And he got one hit to one of the people he sent it to, some Welsh writer or something, who, who wrote me back saying, oh, how very Daily Mail of you. No, you can't just use the word I know. Daily Mail. You daily Mail to make a self-deprecating joke about... And also, no, um, saying that the Welsh language is a bit rubbish, which it is, is, it is. not really the essence of Daily Mail. Not really at all. Than that, no. Exactly. I just replied, oh, good, oh dear Lord, to him, and he didn't get back to me after that. Oh, dear. They're, they're all very touchy about their stupid oh, language, which I wish would die. I agree with you. It's one of the very few subjects we agree on entirely, much to the disgust of every other human on Earth. Um, it is. We're the only two people yeah. who aren't sentimental about languages that should have been dead 500 years ago. And, and so I was in uh, a Tesco in Bridgend. Or Tesco Bridgend. <laughs> but that that's right because everything was in Welsh first and much bigger and yes. then in little writing underneath in English all the aisle signs and all the information and all the everything was in primarily in Welsh I walked yes. around this supermarket and I listened to so very many different groups of people and couples and people with strong strong Welsh accents speaking to each other in English Yes. No one was speaking Welsh because, of course, no one speaks Welsh. And yet this entire well, that's because it's a stupid language that should have died 500 years ago. Yes, and, it, and yeah. we're not talking about being in the north or deep in the valleys or far over mm. in the kind of northwest. We were in, the, in South Wales, in what's basically England. <laughs> Annoying Welsh yes. listeners. Um, and, and yet there's this bizarre, weird insistence on this dominating language that no one is using and no one needs. I'll tell you what pisses me off about it, and here's what, how I'll distill it. It has been used as a way of artificially allowing themselves to feel proud about something for which they should have no pride. And it's almost getting to an argument that you made. 
pride is something that you need to earn for some achievement that you've made that is uh, a moral good. Yes. Um, uh, and the, rather than dealing with the massive problems that Wales has, they're instead distilling all that energy into the resurrection of a limp and cancerous language. And that's where the pride is. Have pride in making your towns look nicer. Have pride in resurrecting the civic traditions that made Welsh culture so rich uh, before it was decimated after the decline of mining and so forth. Do those sorts of things. But to think that you c- all you have to do is put up a few pathetically tokenistic signs in Tesco and then it'll be all right is ridiculous and is counterproductive because then you think you've done something and you know what? You've done nothing. You've done nothing by putting those signs up. You've done nothing to make your culture more vital. You've done nothing to resurrect the best essence of what Welshness did have in it, if it had anything. All you've done is put up some anagrams and patted yourself on the back for resurrecting an orthogonal system that should never have been resurrected. That's it. And and, it's pathetic. you, have, you been, have you been to Newport in recent years? No, I haven't. It's it's horrible. It's a really awful place. Um, it's oh, I'm ghost- sure there are lots of lovely Welsh signs up, though. So it's, it's okay. Go- it, it's a ghost town. There's almost no shops left. It's just in... And like that's what you need to be rescuing uh, Wales and people in Wales with money. That's what you need to be focusing on, is stopping your town from completely dying. And that's a difficult thing to focus on, but an easy thing to focus on is forcing everybody to write everything out twice. And the, yeah, absolutely. And every child. And then you can feel is... that you've achieved something. You see, look, we've achieved it. All the signs have two languages on yes. it, and you don't have to worry about the fact that they're signs pointing to uh, broken town centres and empty shops. And every child in Wales is forced to learn Welsh in school, wasting a huge amount of valuable education time. I would be so pissed off about that. I really would. I don't know why. I'd be so angry. Yes. Well, I was. I had that experience. I was forced to learn Afrikaans. Okay. And at least, at least Afrikaans has some link to Dutch and German and so forth. Poor Welsh. (laughs) There's nowhere to go. It's a great fun language to try to say, and it's even more fun oh, to pronounce phonetically have, to annoy have, Welsh people. I have nothing against learning Welsh as an aesthetic pastime, mm. or as history, or as a philosophical curiosity. I have nothing against that at all. Any yeah, language you want to take out of the museum and play with for a little while, fine. But to turn it into a massive political project to, dis- to distract the little people from what's really gone wrong with their society... I'm a little less happy about. And worse than and that, that is a huge thing. But worse than that, it's also um, it's isolationary. It's about trying to. It's about. Indiv- it's about. Um, oh my emphasizing the difference. Uh, emphasizing yeah. the differences and emphasizing emphasizing the fact that you can communicate in a way that other people can't, and that's a good thing. It's hardcore nationalism and um, preventing the other. And you, anything that prevents the other is is inherently evil. But you see, the geeks get this. The geeks get this uh, when it comes into computing. If I said to them, you know what, I, uh, for tradition, I'm going to resurrect um, BBC Echonet and Apple Talk and some token ring networks uh, <laughs> uh, rather than TCPIP. And you'll have to have this very complicated translation layers. I'm just going to do it because, you know, it's quite interesting and I feel like it's kind of a good thing. They'll say, sorry, are, are you completely mad? It's, no. it's great that TCPIP has taken over as the one network stack. That's brilliant. Um, no, 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 Nick. You're not just doing it because it might be fun. You're, you're forcing every child to learn it in school. 
Yeah, I'm forcing every child in school to use BBC EchoNet because that's what I did when I was young. And then, of course, nobody will actually use it because it's too slow and stupid and too few people use it. But I'm going to force them to learn it in, in a most minute and annoying way as part of my uh, technical cultural heritage. <laughs> so now we don't have any Welsh listeners left. Shall I talk about telly? Yeah. Good. I think we should talk about sitcoms. Are there still sitcoms? Exactly. What's weird about this year is this bizarre, regressive step back into the worst of the dead zone for sitcoms, the kind of post-Friends nothingness. Oh, what it's is back. that? It's back. Uh, it's all themed about parenting for some reason. Oh. So you've got the very worst TV show ever recorded called Dads. Is it what I said at the end of it? I'm just going to see... No, sadly not. I'm going to see if it's been cancelled yet. I can't believe if it hasn't, it, that it wouldn't have been. I mean, just the title sounds like it's going to be a very big problem. Gosh, no, it's still not been cancelled. It's... The show is... It's doing terribly. It's a... Uh, uh, Fox's 11 shows its 10th. <laughs> I'd love to know what the 11th is. Um, the Mindy Project, which is in its second series, I think, so that's surprising. Right. But it's having a bad... Don't know what bad run of it it's another sitcom okay um so dad's is let's just have a look at its numbers it's uh started launched at 5.76 million it's down to 3.5 3.6 right so it's not that disastrous a drop oddly i would have thought it would be much lower than that now but it's only a 1.4 in the 18 to 49 demographic and that's what gets the show cancelled yeah um it's uh, it's created by it's Seth MacFarlane has a lot to do with it, gosh, and that's what's so strange. It stars Seth Green, who of course is Chris in Family Guy. Yes, um, and oh gosh, Dexter's right. Off you go, Dex. Um, and who does, play, who does he play in Buffy the Vampire Slayer again? Uh, Oz. Oz, yes, the uh, the werewolf. The, the werewolf. That's right. Yeah, so, um, but it's about two guys whose dads end up coming back, in, adult guys whose dads come back into their lives. The first episode managed to be incredibly racist, which is amazing for a pilot, I thought, to go well, straight to racism. Well, no, at least that's something. They, had a chi- they have a Chinese girl working for them, and they wanted to get some Chinese investors to their video game company that they work for. Oh, my God, that sounds like that parody of a sitcom that Ricky Gervais did in Extras. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when the Chinese or the Japanese were visiting, yes. and, he, yeah. yes. and they tried to make a good impression, but in uh, but ended up uh, uh, being offensive. Is that's, that what happened? That's exactly it. So they get the girl to dress up as a as a schoolgirl because apparently China and, and just basically conflating a whole bunch of Japanese stuff. The Japanese schoolgirl image they conflate with Chinese. Well, they've all got city eyes. Exactly, and yeah. so she dresses up, and they make her put a hand over her mouth and go hee hee hee, because mm-hmm. you know. And that's, that's actually goes down well with the Japanese, with the, sorry, the Chinese investors. Okay. Um, and then his dad turns up and ends up saying a bunch of, oh, you know, really dodgy things about the Chinese and they get cross and leave. Oh, oh it was funny. Now. Yeah, okay. Yes, exactly. Oh. Ma- but Martin Mull, Martin Mull is in it. Ooh. One of the best sitcom actors ever. What he was He was Leon in uh, Roseanne. One of the first major gay characters on television. Oh, yeah, yeah. And now he's... Oh, Martin Mull, what have you done? It's so tragic to see this. I assume you only watched one episode. Oh, gosh, yes. I barely made it through one. Did Laura enjoy it? Laura hated it. Good. Good. That's good. Then there's Mum as well. There's Mom, even. 
Well, so you've got dads and mom. Yeah. And you've got mom. Now, mom is another Chuck Law sitcom, the guy who does um, Big Bang Theory, your favourite, and Two and a Half, yeah. two and a half Men, and uh, did Dharma and Greg, of course, lest we never forget. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's just another horrible... But it's the tragedy of it, is it CJ is the mum. Yeah. CJ from West Wing, Alison... What's her name, Alison? Yes. I've forgotten her last name. Anyway, so it's about watching... She's called CJ from West Wing. No, wait, CJ from West Wing. And it's just horrible watching her in this horrible, miserable show. That's a terrible waste. But let's say, to balance, there is one good sitcom out there this year. Well, one sitcom that you say is good now, and then I'll convince you in a year's time, has always been terrible. This has started off well. This is called The Michael J. Fox Show. Oh, that's interesting. Can, do we get to laugh at his infirmity? In, at all? in all the time. Are we allowed to? Are we allowed all the to? time. The, the, okay. the Parkinson's jokes are by far the best part of Good, it. Good, because I thought, I thought if, they, if they don't allow it, then it's just going to get very uncomfortable. Yeah, so the premise is uh, he plays a, a newsreader, a former newsreader who quit when he got Parkinson's and went off and has been staying at home with his family instead and is now going back to the news station to his family's utter delight because they don't want him around the house anymore. <laughs> Um, and there's so many great Parkinson's jokes in there. Of course, he did his amazing episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is... I haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil it. Oh, you must. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. I'm saving and it for a flight whenever that good. happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's... Uh, and so it, but it's just... It's twee, and it's, um, it's saccharine, but it's just something really good in, about it. So it's all very loving family and everything's okay. But actually, there's something really lovely about it all. Alongside Michael J. Fox taking the piss out of himself. Yes. Okay, well, I'm happy to allow that one. There you go. Any any dramas or mild peril? <laughs> there should be a lot more seasoning of mild peril TV. Yeah. yeah. Right, let's just take a look at Dramaland. Um, oh, we must, of course, talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I assume you've been enjoying this. I've not heard anything about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What are you talking about? Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Joss Whedon's new show? No. I tend, I, I'm, I'm starting to fade away from Joss Whedon now. I think he can't do anything anymore. Just in time. Hmm. Dollhouse was dreadful from start yeah. to finish, and everyone who says, Oh, but Series 2 was better. No, it wasn't. Series 2 was watchable because of Sierra and Victor. But it's still, you had to sit through uh, Eliza, what's-her-face's, dead-eyed zombie acting yes. and the leaden, moronic plots. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the TV spin-off from the Marvel, Marvel film universe. Yes. Um, based around Agent Coulson, who died in the Avengers movie and is for some reason alive again, and that's mm-hmm. meant to be a matter of intrigue. Yeah. And a group of non-superpowered S.H.I.E.L.D. agents as they go around the world dealing with stuff that has nothing to do with superpowers and doesn't involve any superheroes and is instead just the most tedious crap imaginable. Well, Victoria and I watched Avengers Thingy-Mabob, the first the movie. one. Yeah, which, yes. uh, which he did. And we just found it so unbelievably dull. Yeah, it was a bland movie, for sure. It was a tedious film to watch. It wasn't tedious. I, I didn't hate watching it. I went to the cinema to see it, and I sat through, and I laughed. Uh, I thought we, we, we did hate. Yeah. That's interesting, because Whedon writing Robert Downey Jr. is something I've always wanted to see, and I think that worked out really well. 
I think Danny Jr. delivered weed and gags really nicely. There's that wonderful joke with Hulk. Um, uh, there's some really high points in it. But as a movie, as a story, it had nothing to say. No. Just a nothing. It was a nothing story. It, just, it didn't even move the, the counters around the board. It was just nothingness. So the question then is, has Ross, J- Ross Jeden yes. gone stale or... Was he never that inherently good in any case, and he was just lucky that the fates all conspired to enhance his reputation just by happenstance at that time? He happened to have the one project which sort of worked in his voice and was given leeway to do it, and the actors happened to work in it, and his collaborators happened to be right. And actually, when revealed, when his essence is revealed, it spreads very thin. I don't think that's the case here because, first of all, Buffy was a struggle for him to make. He was making it with Fox, so he's obviously a non-stop fight. Yeah. Um, and the actors, like Sarah Michelle Gellar, is well, a, well, they weren't very good. None of the actors were Sa- very good. Well, some of them were, but Sarah Michelle Gellar is a, is an especially weak actor, and yet he still managed to make this show worth watching for seven seven years despite uh, a weak lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then span off Angel from it to be extremely good as well and then made Firefly which is of course wonderful so I think there's genuinely talent there and it's crucial to remember that he co-wrote uh, last year's Cabin in the Woods which yes. was absolutely fantastic I just watched it rewatched it last week and it's still it's such a brilliant film uh, I haven't seen it so don't spoil it but I won't uh, spoil Laura, it but Laura, def- said she, Laura said she didn't want to watch it and then she enjoyed it when she did right okay because it is essentially a horror movie and that's not her thing but no. um, I, d- I wouldn't normally show her horror movies because, you know, they just upset her. But I figured this one is there's so much going on and it's so smart and yeah. it alleviates the horror with its with it very cleverly throughout. Okay. And yeah, and so she did enjoy it. Um, yeah. So that was great. And he directed and this year. He did a really superb version of Much Do About Nothing. That was his palate cleanser. It was. A, yeah, it was. It really was. He made it he shot it in his own house in, in two weeks. Mm hmm. Um, and it's great. It's well worth watching. Okay. Well, e- e- well worth watching. Or, gosh, that he's made Shakespeare bearable. No, no. <laughs> no I, I think Much Ado is a re- is a nice is a nicely. It's, it's one of Shakespeare's easier plays to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love the Kenneth Branagh version. I think that's a really fun version. As, as much as Kenneth Branagh is dreadful in it, I think the rest of the movie is really good. Yes. Um, the, the idea that anyone else directing that film would have allowed him to splash around in the fountain in that scene. Um, but unfortunately, when he was directing, there was no one to tell him to stop. No. Uh, but yeah, this is a, it's a much more low-key version, but it's really, it's really lovely. And, um, and it's all his regular actors uh, turning up. And, so you, and you can tell it's just a, a labour of love, and it works really well. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that. So that's well, really good. Maybe but yeah, last year's Angel was was, was rubbish, and th- this TV show is actually not. He's not even a showrunner on it. It's uh, run by his brother uh, and a couple of others, and he directed the first episode. But the writing is so bad. the The characters are le- le- genuinely hateful. There's not a single character. You've got Agent Coulson, who should be the hook, but actually he's being so underwritten and he's so bland that the only interesting thing about him is why he's still alive, and they won't tell you that. And then the rest of the cast are just awful horrible people you would leave a room if they came in yes and they were meant and the show is entirely hooked on their relationships and that doesn't work because they obviously they're spending they must be spending millions per episode but they haven't got the budget to have superheroes in it so you've got this 
or incredibly awkward program set in the Marvel Universe, where it seems to, first of all, be intensely embarrassed to be in the Marvel Universe, and then secondly, refuses to actually mention anything to do with superheroes. That is amusing, yes. And it's it does, so awkward. It does, again, bring the problem that the Marvel Universe, which was birthed in comic books, mm-hmm. uh, is now really the uh, tail that's wagging the dog, because the dog has pretty much withered away. I mean, nobody reads the comics anymore. <laughs> if, only, if only you were right about that. No, the, the comics are doing very no, well, as you know. No, no, I, I, what, but children don't. No, that's interesting. I don't really understand how it works anymore. Are the adult comics, so obviously, I know... You, know, you well know that Kieran writes Iron Man and, and Young Avengers, yeah. both of which are genuinely good. I just yesterday I read through um, about six issues of each, and they're genuinely he's a, he's a really talented guy. Yes, but comic which books annoys used, me. He's very annoying. But comic books used to be things read by children, and they were a child's universe. And it's it's a shame that it's another thing that the adults. Have but there are two, but there are so children's yeah. there are children's versions of all these books. You can generally find them in newsagents, and the comics exist there. But I don't really know who writes, writes them or how they work. Or if anybody buys them, really. Yeah. I don't know about those at all, but certainly the adult comics are doing very well. But the Marvel Universe, of course, is so unwieldy and so ludicrous that it's, it's very difficult to balance. But you have all the different versions of Earth, and so the, Mar- the movie universe is completely separate canon from the books. Um, and indeed from other movies in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. It's very confusing. It's like the Fantastic Four movies and the Spider-Man movies aren't canon to the Avengers movies. No. I'm a bit offended you haven't welcomed baby Jessica. I, 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 it's not my responsibility to welcome your your new niece. It is. That's incumbent upon you. No, it's actually your responsibility. If you remember how the tasks were divvied out when you were born, that was. One she of was tasks. born on the twenty eighth of October, the day after my birthday, and thus is nothing to do with me. It's a pity that she couldn't have hurried up a bit, because then that would have been amazing. And then she, she but then she the would also have been my. Then I would have won her. She would have been my baby. It's true. It's true. She's uh, currently quite a red baby. Is she? She's just quite red. And when she gets angry, she gets redder. So that's a bit marvelly, isn't it? How much did she weigh? Um, she was weenie six, oh, six pounds, five ounces or I, something. I don't care. No, nor do I. How because long was she in centimetres? Well, the thing is, she, she has these quite big, flappy feet. So she yeah. looks like, you know, she's, she's like got these duck duck's feet and so she's got these huge feet which um which is always amusing because uh have you seen many newborns oh, not, in your life not a great deal no but they they are they they do look ridiculous right. I mean, they, they look like bad drawings <laughs> because everything's not quite in proportion and they're also a lot scrawnier than you think they'll be because they they put on the podge in the next few weeks and months obviously but really they are um they're funny-looking things, and of yes. course, what's really annoying my brother is that everybody, including my family and everybody else, saying, "Oh, doesn't it look like look so much like Barry?" Which is, of course, his wife's father. Right. Which is not really what you what you want to what what, what you want to hear um, as as the father. Say, "Oh, it looks like your wife's father." Is he it's sure just, that he is the father? Uh, no, probably not. No. So, have they had uh, some specialist five hundred pound running shoes made for those giant feet yet? Not yet, but uh, they should have quite soon. I imagine she'll be. I imagine she'll be jogging by the time she's what three months. I imagine she'll be jogging next week. The the listener should know that uh, this this child's mother, while about seventy three months pregnant, was still running miles and miles. Extraordinary. Well, she, yes, and well, she also she was she was. I think last. 
Thursday she went to the gym and had her last weights and pull-ups. <laughs> oh, wow. there's, there's footage of her doing chin-ups with the baby. I thought, that's not fair because you've got this big weight underneath you, but there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> Has she been running since having the baby yet? Or is she um, slacking no. off? She, she's a big slacker. She sounds like she's got really lazy now. She wants she she wanted to, but I think the fact that the baby wants to eat constantly, she's, <laughs> she's got to she's got to build the uh, running contraption so that it can just strap off. <laughs> was it an easy birth? Did it all go well? Yeah, it was fine. Did no problems really. So there we are. And do you approve of this ch- new child in your life? I think that um, I hope that. Well, it was lucky that uh, somebody died during the storm, so we keep all the balance. That's true, that's good. I was going to say, it's it's dangerous and it's meaning the world is becoming overpopulated, but fortunately there was a storm when she died and people died, and so... And so the, first, the first six people to die since 1987, as we've established. Yes, so it was okay to replace at least one of them. This is true. Laura was reading a John Green book the other day and exclaimed out loud in delight at a reference to, uh, to a Norman Mailer book. She said, ah, that's an example! Yes. She got very yes, excited. I- I'm, I'm glad she... No, but she didn't say it like that, though, because you forgot she has an accent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you... Uh, uh, does it... Is it a completely native, natural process now, the translation? Or do you still hear it in Brahmi and then have to translate it word by word in your head? There's... there's you know, the, the horrible, boring truth is there's barely a lick of Brahmi left. She has to call her parents and suddenly it all comes flying back. Oh, but does it, though? It does so funny when she's on the phone to them. Yeah. It's on this. But there's also the cliche that when people are stressed or angry, it comes. Yes, back. it does. And I, I suspect that you make her stressed and angry quite often. So do well, you hear it in those? I make her stressed and angry in order to hear it, and then make her further stressed and more angry by commenting on it. Really, but that does happen. Then I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear it does actually happen that the accent then yes. starts emerging. Cross Which I genuinely, I genuinely pass as, you sound like your mother. Yeah, that'll make her feel a lot better and calm her down, I'd imagine. <laughs> exactly. Well, the thing is, Laura's mum is lovely, so it's not quite as annoying as it could it doesn't be, matter. unfortunately. It's, it's, it's still an annoying thing to say. Except, of course, it's still annoying, so I, that's why I say it. Obviously. Your mother could be Jesus, and it would still be annoying. <laughs> Although, Laura does like to, when I say something in the style of my dad, she does say, yes, Hugh, in response. <laughs> what, a pun? Or a homily what? Yes, yes, Hugh. No, I'm saying what? What would be the sort of oh. thing you would say? Would it be a pun, a homily? What's the dad? No, like I would thing? be. I would be. Um, I would be going. Oh, this is probably going to go wrong. And she goes, yes, Hugh. Oh, fair enough. Hi, Dad. Who will be listening? Why? Why weren't you called Hugh the Second or Hugh Junior? I don't know. Well, I have no idea. They, my dad wanted to call me Graham, but that, he only one middle name. My mum yeah, won with said. first name. I don't approve of first name Graham. I don't Good. think it would have. I don't think it would have worked for you at all. No, it would have been. It would have been wrong. Now, although, I re- you know, I recently saw my aunt Penny, who I haven't seen since the wedding, and I haven't seen before that many years. Aunt Penny and Uncle Reese, and they call me John Graham because there are so many Johns in our family. Reese, Reese sounds Welsh. Oh yeah, it is. Is he a Welsh? They are both are. Oh, they're going to be angry that you dissed their holy language. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Which they speak all the time. That's right, they exclusively speak well to each other at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In fact, that's why you even haven't seen her, because you find it so difficult to communicate with her. It's true. In a foreign tongue. Gosh, it was lovely going back. They live in a farmhouse, um, and I haven't been there since I was a teenager, which is basically proof that I'm a dreadful person. Yeah, you are a dreadful person. I mean, it's a few miles away. It's down the road, literally. 
<laughs> it's down the motorway. It's a motorway, not a road, then. Oh, okay. No. No. Okay. Fair enough. Um, it's a mega road. Slightly no, different. that is proof you are a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was really lovely to go back into this gorgeous old farmhouse that, you know, it's just packed with memories. Mm. That was a very nice experience. Uh, did you stay there or did you just pop in? We just popped in because I, I, we were looking where to go next that day and I looked on the map and realised we were only 10 minutes drive away and thought, let's go and pop in and see if they're in. Oh, you didn't even call first? Didn't even call first, no. Were they shocked? They were surprised. <laughs> and upset. <laughs> and, and are receiving treatment. I think Penny would have liked to have been more prepared. But um, I only meant too, to just... You were, too, you were too selfish to allow her that. Too selfish. I only... I only meant to pop in and say hi for ten minutes, and we were there for about three hours. It was a really nice time. Did they give you any food? They wanted to, but we'd just eaten. So we were we were forced food. to eat some sort of cakes sure. from the local bakery. You'd be horrified to learn. Well, yeah, maybe you have to if you only see yes. somebody once every exactly. twenty years. Yeah, we, we we weren't eating we weren't eating flour all week, but at that point we had to make an exception. Doctor Asim Malhotra, who is a research cardiologist, wrote a what's now become an infamous and famous. Uh, article for the British Medical Journal where he says all this being hysterical about saturated fat is finally and conclusively wrong and just eat good real food and that's really put the cat amongst the pigeons because this is not some sort of one of my one of my fringe figures this is mm-hmm. a cardiologist at the heart of the establishment writing <laughs> the heart ah, you did uh, a joke. writing 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 in the establishment's journal or shall I say premier organ uh, and saying say things, so, so you can imagine the vested interests have all popped out and are very angry. But I'm glad that I seem to be such a St John the Baptist on these things. I, I was, I was, after all, that for uh, Roy was tea, wasn't I? Yes, well, you were. Low, low. I just, I just hope my head doesn't get cut off and given to who? What was her? Was it? Was the woman who got his head in the end? Oh, thingy, I can't remember. God, thingy, I'm a terrible, can't remember. Yeah, terrible Christian. Rubbish Christian. Oh, yeah. awful Christian. You probably forgot his head was even cut off. I didn't forget that. It was put on the plate and everything. Yes. Do you think they garnished it? I like to think they garnished it with locusts and honey. That would have been appropriate. And maybe some parsley. <laughs> a sprig of parsley for everyone to take off and put on the side. <laughs> a sprig of parsley. Have you ever eaten a sprig of parsley? Of course. Now, you know Penn and Teller's parsley thing? No, not at all. I'm sure we must have talked about this before. We probably have, but I've forgotten it. Let's repeat ourselves. The, um, is they talk about it in... I think they talk about it in How to Play With Your Food, one of their books. Yes, I've um, parsley that book. Parsley has a strong and distinctive taste before anybody says it doesn't. <laughs> so they, Of course it does. So they, uh, they have a game where they, when they go to restaurants where um, they have to get their piece of parsley onto someone else's plate. Mm-hmm. And of course, and they, they so they and the crew they'll go for dinner when they're on tour or whatever, and and they'll because they're expert magicians, they're palming it and they're doing all the misdirection they can think of to get yes. the parsley onto someone else's plate. So if you get parsley on your plate, basically you lose. Teller became so obsessed with this game and not losing that during meals he would just stare fixatedly at his plate and not allow anyone to distract him. Um, to the point where they were eating dinner in a restaurant when a van careered off the street outside and crashed through the the front window of the restaurant. Okay. Um, and Teller did not look up from his plate throughout. That's that's impressive or disturbing. So I like to play a different version of this game with Laura, uh-huh. where I deliberately and as obviously and annoyingly as possible put my parsley somewhere really inconvenient in her food or ideally in her drink. But not in her hair. No, not in her Actually, hair. Actually, that's what you, she doesn't listen to this, so you can do that. Next time, the, the, the coup de grace, get a... Um, Coup de parsley, indeed. Get a get a hair slide. To bring bring with a hair clip. 
Yes. And put the party in the hair club and just and say, oh, Laura, there's something in your hair. Hold on, what is that? And then just put the put the party in her hair like like a little garland with a hair clip. You've made a small error there. What? Laura's hair is such in its curliness that yeah. there's no need for clips. You could just toss items into her hair and they'll happily <laughs> sit there for days. Okay, but I want to see a photograph of Laura with a parsley garland. <laughs> well, you made that happen. I'll do my level best. Girls. I'll do, do my level, level best. best. Level best for Steve. Is it level? Stephen Fry will do his level best. Yes. Remember that? <laughs> it's a do. Yeah. When there was Anyone listening who recognises that, you get to award yourself a star for today. You got a big star badge. And you can uh, you can tweet us that star just to prove you've got it. Yes, absolutely. Tweet us at assume... Rum Doings. Yeah, at Rum Doings. If you got that reference, tweet us at Rum Doings with us. I assume you know that people can and sometimes are bothered about inserting actual symbols into their tweets, little musical mm-hmm. tunes or smiley faces. I'm sure there must be a star. I might favourite it, and then that way it would be starred. Oh, yeah, okay. There's favourite tweets. Send it in. At Rum Doings. And, and if you want to email us. Email us at podcast at rumdoings.com. We, we received too many emails there now, but so maybe you want to slow down, guys. All right, yeah. Yeah, right yeah, just to answer all your emails. Hey, one at a time. Or literally one at a time, one per episode. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I like that our appeal for comments on the blog uh, has been received with absolutely fewer comments than before. <laughs> our, our listeners are so terrible. Aren't they? We have the worst <laughs> listeners. Still, Nicholas Holdaway, yeah. that's his name, Nicholas Holdaway, did ask that we mention Russell Brand's piece in the New Statesman. And I had, John, can I give you some homework? Can I ask you to read Russell Brand's editorial? Mm. And then next time you can tell me what you think of it because I might have been being unfair. Okay. Will you do that? Will you do that for me, love? <laughs> okay. Okay, darling. No problems. Heaven no high. Pumps. Heaven high, Nicholas.